0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Welcome in, Rob Black, and talking stocks. Should we start with Netflix or is it too obvious? Is it too soon? Is it a no-brainer? What do you think? Is Netflix a tech stock? Or is tech f- Netflix a media stock? Or is it a combination? Um, interesting thing. You know, when Netflix blows past subscriber growth targets, stock hits an all-time high. A couple weeks ago, we were a little depressed on it. Disney had pulled content from Netflix, and Netflix said, you know, let's move on. Um, content versus the delivery of content. Which is more important? Is the NFL more important than ESPN, or do they kind of need each other? Is it the road, or is it the car? One thing that I love about Netflix is they've got a decidedly unique approach to kind of a swagger. And let me explain what swagger means to me. Amazon, a couple years ago, I'm a Wall Street guy. I'm a, a numbers guy. I'm a financial guy. And uh, a couple years ago, Amazon said, you know what? We're in the business of delivering books. And uh, that kind of expanded around a Christmas time. And I don't remember exactly which Christmas, but there was a, a pink doll that was like a, a, a puffy lump or something like that, a Ziggy Puff or something. And you saw Jeff Bezos get on CNBC and he goes, you know, and let's say he's talking to me, the VR. You know, let's call the viewer, Robby. And basically, it's going, Rob. you're the viewer. You know what you need to do is you need to get one of these uh, pink puffalopes for Christmas because everyone's going to want them. They're going to be in high demand. And you're like, this is a grown man with a doll. And what that taught me was swagger. Sometimes you see companies have swagger. We don't need iPhones, and yet we have iPhones. We can certainly live with Google phones, half the price. We can certainly live with Nokia phones, half that price, or BlackBerry phones, whatever it is, right? Samsung. So you get the idea. Now, put one and one and two to two together. And that swagger is kind of sometimes the difference in companies. Apple has swagger. Netflix has swagger. Amazon has swagger. Now, how does Netflix have swagger? To give you an idea, they're spending $8 billion a year on content. ABC, NBC, CBS put together may spend that. Okay, now you're seeing swagger, right? You're seeing HBO, which has got the greatest lineup of te- in television, spending $2 billion in crazy years on content. And Netflix goes out and spends eight. So Netflix executives, just to show you swagger, and again, swagger is good and bad, right? It, it's good during the good times. It's something we look back on and go, that was pretty stupid. If Apple misses four quarters in a row, we're going to go, why did you open up this big, expensive space station kind of office space? It would make no sense. Um, and we, we'd be angry. It's like what Nokia did. In the nineteen late 80s, early 90s, Nokia started dominating Motorola in cell phones. I know you're saying cell phones. Not smartphones. Cell phones. And Nokia had a kind of a digital angle that they were going for. You might remember when some cell phones were analog, some cell phones were digital. You might remember a day in your life when some recordings musically were analog and some were digital. But... Nokia built this huge office space, huge office space in Europe that never got moved into completely. It never got to live. It never got to be Rome. Instead, it got to be, oh, there's a fire in the back room. No one worries. Let's have a party up here. And it became the fall of Rome. So Netflix yesterday had their conference call. And that that means, oh, take a look at the calendar. We're in earnings season. What earnings season are we in? Let's take a look. October. So we're starting to report third quarter, right? Here's four quarters. January, February, March, first quarter. April, May, June, second quarter. July, August, September, third quarter. October, November, December, fourth quarter. And October's in the fourth quarter, so we're the first month of the fourth quarter. That's when we replace. That's when we start coming up with third quarter results. And just to give you kind of an idea, you know, we look back at earnings season and we go, okay, what happened in the third quarter? Did interest rates move higher? That may affect banks. Did Apple introduce new product for 10 days? That may influence their quarter. It may not be like, you start kind of like figuring this out stuff out. But Netflix had a quarter. I'm not going to say it was the quarter of all quarters. It was a quarter. And their CEO, Reed Hastings, he understands the value of video. And he understands in the fourth quarter, guess what they have coming out? Stranger Things, season two. Now, I tried to watch the first season of Stranger Things, and maybe someone can talk me through it. I couldn't get through it. I couldn't get into it. Um, I kept asking myself, where are these parents' kids? Why are they in the woods by themselves? Where are these parents' kids? Is this Stranger Things music? See, I don't even know it. Okay, cool. So Netflix, during their conference call, they celebrated all things Stranger Things. And oddly enough, the way they did that, not lunchboxes, even though there are Stranger Things lunchboxes, The second season of the show is going to premiere on October 28th, and Netflix has taken this swagger where they hire television producers, and they say, do your thing. I give KDOW and Salem a lot of credit. They say, do your thing. Every now and then, they get mad at me for doing my thing, but they let me do my thing within reason. I still work for them. I still suck up to them. I still do what they ask me to do, but within reason, you know what I'm saying? So Netflix, the CEO, Reed Hastings, on the conference call yesterday, he wears a Stranger Things sweater. And it's ugly. It's one of those Christmas sweaters that are ugly. But, you know, haha, we get the joke. Um, is the Christmas ugly sweater, has it played itself out? I think that it has. So it is Christmas time coming up. So maybe I, maybe I should be in more of a loving mood. Um, so Reed Hastings, who I've interviewed before, and it, it, it went terribly, terribly bad. The first half was awesome. The last half, it went bad. Uh, he and his lieutenants, you know, were wearing ugly, garish sweaters. Um, now, the stunt was a promotion for the second season of the show, because I'm talking about it, which, again, Netflix is going to release on October 28th. Will it be as good as the first season? Is anything ever as good as the first? Probably not. Um, but I do find it kind of interesting that they've got swagger. Are you with me or are you against me on swagger? And is swagger a good thing to you or a bad thing? Now, taking a look at some of the Netflix numbers, And, uh, I do have a whole show planned for you, not just Netflix. Um, they hit all time highs yesterday after market. Uh, they said they added 850,000 domestic subscribers. So in the U S how are there even 850,000 people that need to subscribe? That was 750,000 above forecast. Now wait, wait, let me back that up. They added 850. They were supposed to add 100 that that deserves an ugly sweater. In my opinion, that's pretty awesome. Um, They added 4.45 million new international subscribers. They were supposed to add 3.6. So that's crushing it. That's crushing it. Both those numbers are obviously better than expectations. Uh, It's these revenues of, you know, they're breaking out their numbers, and basically they're good. Sometimes they're a little bit lower than expected, but they kind of make up for it in other ways. And the question is, how much book value can they create in their shows? Because you're always going to have to create some new content. In theory, Stranger Things 3 has to happen. House of Cards 10 has to happen. It's like that whole Rocky 25 eventually has to get made. Netflix is up 70% in the year. Not bad in the last 52 weeks. Um, Most people have a hold on it, but also most analysts see it going up another 10, 15 bucks, 20 bucks from here. That's kind of a market perform. As long as the market goes up, people believe in Netflix. But when it comes to a weaker market, it'll be very interesting. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.
0: Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to
1: 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 816 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. Just trying to find some stuff to talk about today that's of interest, in, of note i um, me turn down a couple things. So, Toys R Us goes bankrupt. I think some of the things that pops out of my head at that point in time is a lot of jobs being lost, a lot of kiosk type of jobs in the future. I don't see the next big toy stores having a ton of employees walking around making $12, 13 $14 an hour. I see the ramifications of how much... Sh- shelf space Target and Walmart have is a big problem, how much flexibility Amazon has is a big problem, and just how times have changed. So I think the iPad's been a bit of a problem, to say the least, for Toys R Us. Um, I think what's, again, sad for me is it's a bit iconic, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not the kind of guy to get upset by this kind of stuff, but there are jobs there. And clearance sales could begin within weeks if you want to start to get your Christmas presents early. Or if Santa wants to do a little shopping, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke, now's the time to do it. You have until, I believe, about 30 days to use your Toys R Us gift cards. I don't even want to think how much money is going to be lost and left on uh, the gift cards. Is that fair? Um... So liquidating all the stores, and it's a bitter end. Um, Again, for me, again, everything must go means bargains, bargains, bargains. That's great, but everything must go means employees are going to be lost. Initially, Toys R Us wanted to keep open about 400 stores, um, but it's going to lose about 33,000 employees. Will the unemployment rate spike on that? It won't. But is it something to add into the story as this is why we're doing this story? And, again, they just never really hit it out of the ballpark with a platform that worked on the Internet. So I think that's, you know, again, one of the big reasons they failed, right? So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more could always talk about um, the stock market, as I think everyone has some fascination with what's going on on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis, and I guess here we are halfway through uh, March, and we're still trying to get a feel for the year, because it started off hot, then it went kind of cold, and then it went kind of reflex back, snap back. We're hearing more about trade wars. Uh, Lawrence Kudlow, who, I don't know, he's not my favorite economist, but He's been in the business and industry a while. He's joining the Trump administration, replacing Gary Cohn. Uh, He's a good choice if you want, you know, the good old days of the '80s and '90s of the Reagan era, of Trump being a young man cruising around New York City, because that's what he is. He's a a throwback to Reagan's cabinet. Cudlow is, so that's we know what we're getting. Toys R Us is liquidating. Bad for Mattel and Hasbro. Um, William Sonoma and Dollar General delivered better than expected earnings reports and or outlooks. William Sonoma is a play on Home Depot and Lowe's, in my opinion, and housing in the United States. I don't think William Sonoma is going to go out of business anytime soon. Well positioned for housewares. Export prices came out this morning, and we saw that they were up two-tenths of a percent in February, and two-tenths of a percent, excluding agriculture. Um, import prices up four-tenths of a percent. Nothing really large there. Initial claims for unemployment, still well below 300,000. Um, any number beneath 350,000 is good, so any number between th- under 300,000 is considered, in my opinion, pretty darn good. So we're employed. And we're not seeing a lot of wage inflation. Um, in fact, I'm not seeing anything material today on the inflation front. So, but markets have been fickle recently. Would you agree that's a true statement? The S&P 500 is flirting with its 50-day simple moving average. Um, I do believe in... Okay, here's where I get kind of funky. I believe in technicals to a point. I don't believe in technicals to a religion and i see way too many people go you know i got this all figured out i know exactly what's going to happen and that's not exactly right in my opinion the right way to do it so um i think when you start reading charts you lose the fact that there's some fundamentals and there's some things with the economy and the president and congress and ways of making economies move forward and ways of making economies move backwards Food and beverage retail is one of the largest categories of consumer spending. It accounts for about $800 billion in the United States. And so far, it's been pretty immune to e-commerce. But as Toys R Us falls and Jeff Bezos makes more money, there's a question on like how soon until we Amazon bucks the trend and gets the fresh grocery delivery service right that everyone's talking about, that everyone's doing. I'll do Safeway delivery on a regular, pretty regular occasion. Walmart, the country's biggest grocery retailer, said yesterday that it's dramatically expanding the number of places where shoppers can pile food into a virtual shopping cart and have their purchases delivered. Target, late last year, purchase delivery startup shipped, S-H-I-P-T. Make sure I say that correctly so I don't get fired or suspended for a few days. It's offering same-day delivery of assorted groceries and other goods from the majority of Target stores this year. So the kicker is it's... When you go to the grocery store, if there's four things that you want. If there's like fruits, dried goods, fresh meat, and snacks. You feel like you could wander around the store and grab everything you need. Uh, virtually doing it, it's a good experience and it's a faster experience, but sometimes you feel like, oh, I forgot that. And it's always something like whipping cream. Like, ah, uh, so you got to go to the store anyway. When all is said and done. So Walmart, Kroger, and all the big chains have tested home delivery. And they're getting it better and better. So remember that Webvan burned through about a billion dollars before it shut down in 2001. And no one wants to be Webvan 2.0. So everyone's tinkering, tinkering. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Poor, poor Bitcoin. The rise and fall, the ups and downs. It's too much for me for something that has almost as much value as Mario coin. It's tough to say what it's worth. Prices of major cryptocurrencies saw a sharp downward slide this week um, after Google and Facebook have now both announced that they're going to ban advertising related to the sector and a couple other sectors like Forex. They've heard a commercial for, hey, time to trade Forex. You could buy the Iraqi dinar. The United States is currently pumping billions of dollars into Iraq to rebuild Iraq. And when they do, that Iraqi dinar is going to soar 120,000, 5,000 percent, potentially in one week. Yes, you too should get in on the Iraqi dinar. It's such, I'm not going to say the word scam, but you ain't making no money on the Iraqi dinar. And if anyone can find me one person who has, who hasn't been the middleman selling it to you, I would be very surprised. So, large selling from a trustee of a now-defunct cryptocurrency exchange, Mt. Gox, partly to blame. Bitcoin now trades as low as 76 76 Lots of factors. It's just not my cup of tea. And I hate it because someone will email me this week. Hey, I listen to your show all the time. What do you think about Bitcoin? And I'll just go, err. That's what I'll do. I'll go, err. So what else is there out there? Um, I think I should talk a little bit about China and trade war. Chinese are prepared for a trade war with the United States. What does that mean to you? You may not remember a good one. I would be cautious I, in approaching a trade war is not as frivolous. I would approach it much, much more so as what if things get a little out of hand? Best case scenario, things get fixed last second. What's the worst-case scenario? The Chinese made it really, really clear in the past. If you want a trade war, they're prepared. Because, of course, they have a very large market and a very robust economy, just like we do. Um, Some things to remember, though, is Chinese exports to the United States improve the American standard of living by selling less expensive goods to the United States that we benefit from. And we tend not to make those anymore. For instance, like running shoes. Um... We've let them do all of our running shoes in Asia. Therefore, if Nike were to say, "Let's fire up some factories in the United States," because there's this trading war tariff thing that's going to happen, um, it could become a problem. We don't have the labor market set up for it, and we don't have the labor prices set up for it. There's an awful lot of American companies that are making large sums of profits inside of China, whether it's Apple, whether it's Buick, um, or other companies. You know, there would be some ramifications if something blows up in China-U.S. trade war. Now, again, uh, Larry Kudlow, the new go-to guy in the administration, he just says, I want things to be fair. I just want, at this point in time, China to look at it. So he's already set himself up to back out and say, well, we we tried. So I don't think things are going to go horrible, but I pay attention, too. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money invested and more. You can find me online at roblexhow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Largest U.S. radio company, iHeartMedia, files for bankruptcy. We'll talk about that. But first, let's bring on a quick real estate report with Tony Mendez. Let's see what Mr. Mendez has to say about the real estate markets. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, Bay Area Good morning. I look at the 10 year treasury as one of those gauges of when to invest and when not to invest. And when I see it under three and a half percent, I'm like, hmm, I can buy a ten year treasury bond and get two point one percent for ten years. Is that enough? I'm like, Nope. Because inflation's roughly at two percent. Now if inflation spikes, then suddenly my money's losing value, losing purchasing power. And again, the best way I can say that is I grew up when we drink water out of a hose for free. Um And then they started putting it in bottles, and it became 25 cents a bottle, 50 cents a bottle, 75, 10 dollar $50. Same thing with Coca Cola. If you had a quarter, you used to be able to go to a a vending machine and get a a soda. And it was kind of a magical thing here that Coke slide down the the vending machine. Now you have to have $2. So um, that's kind of where that is. But the 10 year Treasury is a little different than what the Federal Reserve does. The Federal Reserve raises interest rates in the short term lending. So if Bank of America says, well, I want to borrow money, it's going to be at a very super low interest rate, but it's getting more and more expensive. So hopefully you'll see some companies like Bank of America say, you know what? The crazy loans we don't want to do anymore. We want to like cut back on those, but the crazy loans are where they make most of their money. So that's worthy of note. But the 10 year treasury doesn't always reflect what the federal reserve's doing. And the 10 year treasury, I think reflects more of what the mortgage market does and the 30 year mortgage It's still a pretty darn good deal. The 10-year Treasury says right now, buy stocks. And the 10-year Treasury, to me, says right now, consider buying real estate because the cost of money is incredibly low. 10-year Treasury sometimes reflects economic fears. And economic fears could be um, high unemployment. Economic fears could be the president might get impeached. Economic fears could be tied towards terrorism. Uh, All those things could slow the economy or slow infrastructure spending or things along those lines. Bringing Tony Mendez, Bay dot It's Bay dot Good morning. Uh, I hate the phrase "good morning." There's nothing good about mornings, right? Um, it's a very
0: fine morning.
1: <laughs> I will mock you. What is that? Was it Dick Cheney saying it's fine morning? Play that one one more time, because now that I know it's Dick Cheney,
0: it's a very fine morning. <laughs>
1: I don't get it but <laughs> dick, dick cheney feeding ducks or something like that and he's trying to get the ducks over to him okay that may be the oddest sound clip you've pulled in a while anyway um 10-year treasury tony uh a lot of foreign money is is pouring into it and keeping it low which is keeping mortgage rates 30-year and jumbos uh pretty low
2: yeah there's certainly a big flow of investment money into the united states uh, and then we also have the ecb keeping rates low they're calling rates through 2019 or they're calling their QE program through 2019. So there's a good chance we see these kind of low numbers for a while. Uh, and it is going right into mortgage rates and mortgage rates are hitting um, new lows for you know, the past six months, 12 months.
1: And if they're not hitting lows, they're still historically pretty low.
2: I think people should acknowledge that.
1: Um, and if interest rates were at five, six, seven, eight 8%, you'd be able to afford a lot less house, and that means your home value would probably go down because people would be able to afford a lot less house. Um, That's the idea. So um, how is the refi market slash new purchasing
2: market? Is it about 50-50? It's about Mm 60-40 right now. Towards refis? Uh, Purchases 60. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, refines have kind of dried up. I think there's a saying in our business that anybody uh, who could have refinanced has refinanced. Of course, there's always the, you know, somebody who's trying to fix their credit or they're selling, uh, not selling, but uh, removing somebody from title or, um, you know, taking some cash out. And, you know, when we have low rates like this, there's, there's always going to be opportunities to maybe reamortize or shorten your term. So there's always going to be refinances, whether rates go up or down, um, but when they stay the same like this, you are, you will see refinances drop and purchases pick up. But you are right; you hit it right on the the, the head of the nail. And low interest rates do translate right into affordability. Um, we we do our show on Thursday nights, and we talk about this all the time and how the uh, interest rates are as they stay low like this. Uh, you know, without any foreseeable increases, we could theoretically and mathematically calculate that home price can keep going up. We, you know, inventory is down um, the Bay area. We've seen some cities in the Bay area lose 31% of their inventory year over year. Uh, and that's going nationwide. I think we're down to, um, I think 37 days on the market. So there's some indicators of how this is playing into the purchase market. So there's no surprise that we're 60, 40 right now. I'm with you on that. Um,
1: to get a mortgage, what's the process at this point in time? For instance, for like a second home, if say I wanted to buy a home in Santa Barbara or Lake Tahoe to get away, is that easy comparatively to? We're in the 21st century. Quicken loans—you can get you can get an app and get a loan, right?
2: Isn't that that's what Quicken does, right? Well, they advertise that. You still have to go through the motions. You still have to run your credit. You still have to supply the supporting documents. Uh, I think where it, you know a place like quicken is is using the internet and the ease of doing an application as a sales tool but you still have to go through the motions i'd say getting a second home is is just as easy or just as complex as a single family purchase or a refinance it also depends on who you're working with uh, there's some people in the business unfortunately still in the business that don't know what they're doing uh, some even large banks are 60 to 90 days out on closings um, and you can't count on those sometimes when you're doing a purchase.
1: So Tony does a radio show here on KDOW Thursday nights, and there's a podcast available somewhere. I think it's at podcast. I can't find it. dot com. Um, you can find Tony, but Thursday night six to seven here on KDOW. And you can find him online at uh, Source dot com. That's BayAreaLendersource. dot com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. I don't want you to do things like prepay your mortgage unless you consult your financial planner first, have a high mortgage rate, have a great savings rate, won the lottery or something that's going to say you should move assets from your side of the balance sheet to the banks. I'm a pretty big fan of protecting you and sometimes debunking some of the myths that might be in your head. Don't lose money in the Wall Street casino. Don't lose money in the Wall Street casino. You've heard it on radio and television and probably internet ads. It could take up. A lifetime to make up the losses in the stock market. And yet the stock market sits at all-time highs 7 out of 10 years. I don't see how that's going to take a lifetime. Unless your lifetime is 5 years. That's how long it took the market to make a full recovery after the Great Recession. That's what he should say. So we had the big recession in 2006-2008. And we recovered. Nicely. To the tune of 300-400% to if you bought at the lows. If You bought it at the highs. It it you were, it didn't take you a lifetime to recover. This is a tactic that's used to sell gold. It's a tactic that's used to sell Bitcoin. It's a tactic to use to sell currencies. It's a tactic to use to sell annuities. I hate annuities. If you were to put an annuity, well, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go stupid on you. I hate annuities. I think people get suckered into buying them. There's a show on sports radio in this area where. McDonald or whatever his name is, he pushes annuities pretty hard. And it's pretty pathetic, in my opinion. Um and there's a lot of sales tactics that are, are being pushed and forced on people. Uh that I don't agree with. If you're unfamiliar with annuities, you basically go to an insurance company and you give them your money, and in return they pay you at an income stream, usually for the rest of your life. And some annuities, if you die before you've received all your money back, too bad for you. The insurance company keeps the rest of your money. I know. That's how it works. And you're like, seriously? Yes. Now, there are plenty of annuities where that's not the case, where family members can receive cash back or even continued monthly income after your death, but you pay extra for that. Essentially, you're betting the insurance company that you're going to live longer than they think you will. Now, who do you think is going to win the bets when it comes to big money? And betting on how long you're going to live. Do you think the insurance company or do you think you? Who knows better? They're going to take your money, they're going to invest it, they're going to give you back in dribs and drabs a little piece of it. Annuities are such terrible investments that the minute the government passed a law specifying that financial professionals had to act in the client's best interests, annuity sales fell off a cliff. And yet there's still someone on sports radio who pushes these things and he shames you. Don't you want to take care of your family? No. (laughs) It's not taking care of your family. It's taking care of his family. In 2016, new rules were passed by the Department of Labor that stated that brokers have to act as fiduciaries. That means they had to put their client's best interest ahead of their own. Believe it or not, prior to their rule passed, stock and insurance brokers could sell you anything they wanted, whether it was right for you or not. So typically, they went after customers where they could sell products with the highest commissions, i.e. annuities. If McDonald sells you a $200,000 annuity. The salesperson might take home $14,000 up front. The SEC hates these things. The bankers of the United States have written white papers that warn you about them. Good financial radio host and television host warn you about them. And then you'll hear that commercial. It could take a lifetime to recover from the stock market. Don't lose all your money in the Wall Street machine. Sales of annuities down 22% last year, two years ago, after the federal government said that you have to act as a fiduciary in people's best interests. They're down an additional 18% um, in 2017. First quarter of 2017, that's all the time that we have computed at this point. So fixed annuities prevent losses. You're typically guaranteed that the value of your principal will not go down, regardless of the stock or bond markets do the stock market goes up 7 out of 10 years, historically for 100 years. If you get a fixed annuity and the stock market goes up 20%, you only get 4% and the insurance company gets the other. But in a fixed annuity, if the market goes down 20%, you don't lose any money. So it's being sold to people who are fearful. Fixed annuities, I get it. Let's say you take out an annuity and your circumstances change. You need to money urgently. You're still in the surrender period. It's going to cost you big. So, not only do you pay 7% commissions, but it's going to, for surrender charges, start at 7%. So, you're not going to get your money back. Annuities are typically long term contracts. People buy them in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. Consider that over the 10 year period, the stock market's only been down seven times in the past 80 years. And those seven times were all tied towards the Great Depression or the Great Recession. So, I hate annuities. I think they're horrible. I think they're sold, they're not bought. I don't think they're appropriate for 95%, 99% of people. And the annuities that are typically pushed by insurance people are darn near criminal, in my opinion. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.